Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Week 14, Hudatch, welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing up for a monster matchup in the Caesar Superdome. 5-7 versus 1-11 NFC South heavyweights. Or not. Yeah. Not uh not optimal by any stretch. Hype it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get hyped, baby. Let's get hyped. The only good I'll thing see. I can say, you know, it's funny because I don't think there's gonna be a lot of Panthers fans traveling. <laughs> so will the seats just be empty this time? Wait, wait, there might be Detroit Blue left over that might be confused with Panthers fans. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's uh it's it's a whole thing. And you know, we're gonna talk about this first segment. I kinda wanna talk about the I wanna talk about the booing. I wanna talk about the state of the Superdome and and Ugh. why home games don't feel like home games. And you know, we 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 got we had Mickey Loomis talk and you know, I he never really says anything, but at the same time, these last couple of weeks he said stuff that it's like by not say it's like he's doing his normal not saying stuff, but it's saying he's saying also saying stuff that's like, What are you talking about? So I wanna get into that. Uh <laughs> He's also kind of at his wits end with some of this stuff. And and like, yeah, you don't hear him kind of get exasperated very often, uh, but uh, he did in this. So we're going to listen to that. We're also going to talk to Desmond Johnson, uh, host of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with the uh, former NFL running back, Jonathan Stewart, going to give us the lowdown on, you know, you think miserable, I think so. Do you think things are miserable in Saints land right now? <laughs> just We can top that. Just wait until you end up in the scenario where you're one on 11 and have, no first round pick. Like you thought it was bad for the Saints last year because they're going to give up a top ten pick maybe to the to the Eagles. Well, you're not giving away the number one overall pick. Oh, God! Like that's a franchise altering pick that you will not make. <laughs> Someone else gets to make it. They could trade it back to you and get even more. That's and, and, and the new coach you brought in to lead that that high draft pick that you moved up for and gave up all these assets is now gone. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not good. But, you know, one, one thing that y- that means is that you're going to get a team that shows up and has no incentive. Like, th- that team is going to be playing to win, right? Like, this is the time of year where you, you, you will end up in matchups where the opposing team sometimes will not necessarily be putting forth their best effort to win. That's the most diplomatic way I can say that. You know, there no no coaches going in and saying we want to lose, so don't play well, right? But you're you're putting situations on the field that 
You know, like the, the Eagles didn't want to win in week 17 a few years ago. So they just benched Jalen Hurts at halftime of a game they probably would have won otherwise, right? Like that's a tanking team. That won't be happening this week because there's no benefit for the Panthers in doing that. And yeah, and, and it's like they're going to get the number one overall pick either way. But, you know, it's a, it's a good question. It's like at a certain point, do the players quit on the team? And I think that was a take that has been floating around, right? Around, around the Saints. And it was a very easy thing to say. Yeah. When you're looking at a scoreboard with seven minutes ago in the first quarter and there's 21 points on the one side and zero on the other side, and you're like, well, this team isn't playing. They're not playing. You know, if they fought back, you give them credit for that. Like, I don't think the team has quit in that sense. And Mickey, it's it's a question that Mickey Loomis is definitely not excited about hearing. And so this is what he had to say when he was asked uh, from by Mike Haas this week. You either quit or you don't quit. So to me, it's kind of a pointless question because 21 nothing is the perfect opportunity. To quit. They didn't quit. They hung as tough as they've ever hung. And again, you don't even have to respond because I've answered the question, I feel like, but it is out there. Yeah, well, that's just unsophisticated and lazy um, journalism, to be honest with you. Right. Um, that's, 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 someone, that's someone that either didn't watch the game or doesn't understand the game and probably a lot of both. Ouch. So, yeah, that's a that's a that's some fighting words there, Mickey. Very pointed. Yeah, and even the tone, you know, I wish I wish Mike wouldn't just say, like, I answered the question for you, so you don't... Just ask him the question, Mike. What are you doing? Anyway, <laughs> like, why, why? Why would you ask the question that way? Just, uh, it's, like, so strange. I guess Mike realized, too, how ridiculous it is to say this team quit. That That's the only thing that I took from it that. Is a, it is exactly, a ridiculous right. take. It is a ridiculous take. And, like, there's a lot to criticize, and we're going to talk about it. Um, but, like, <laughs> right. the idea that they quit, is just nah. That's not what happened. I mean, they they got punched in the mouth, and maybe they didn't show up ready. You know, and that's a that's a coaching that's question. That's a lot of questions there. But they didn't quit. Um, and they're still playing hard, and they're playing for each other, and and whatever. But you know, the the bigger question is like, why were there so many Lions fans in the building, right? And and this is the question for Mickey. And 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 why are the fans booing your own team, right? And this is what Mickey had to say on that front. The Lions were in town. We've seen a lot of teams that travel well. Pittsburgh travels well. Lions traveled well and had very, very good seats. What I think was atypical for me to see with the number of fans from the other team was where they sat, which was lower bowl behind their other team's bench, which means they pretty much had their choice of of, of where they wanted to sit. It was just – it was – you know, the Saints were able to shut them down in the second half from a, from a fan standpoint, but it was just kind of an, an atypical situation for me. Yeah, I would say this. Um, look, we're used to having a large number of Saints fans at some of our um, opponent, uh, you know, away games. Uh, we're not used to having that volume of visiting fans at our games. And so I would say, look, we, you know, our stadium sold out on a season basis. That's disappointing to have, you know, that many tickets that are resold and, and um, you know, given to visiting uh, fans. But look, I understand it. I mean, I understand the economics of it. I understand that, you know, season tickets are expensive and you, know, you can't go to every game. And so, you know, pick and choose to sell some. But I, I was a little caught off guard by the volume, as you said, in the lower bowl. That was unusual. and. Look, I understand it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, you know, the er, the early booing. I, you know, I understand it. Look, one of the things that we have here is a very, very passionate fan base. 
I appreciate that. Our fans care. They want to win. We've set a high standard for that. And when we don't win, it, it can become emotional. Uh, look, our team's fighting. They're fighting to uh, and giving everything they can to win a game. Every player is. And the booing doesn't help us. It certainly doesn't help us. And I know as a fan myself of, of teams, I understand that, yeah, I can be angry and, and boo, but I'm not helping my team doing that. And so, look, it is what it is. But again, fans have the right to do that. They have the right to express themselves. They're paying lots of money uh, to come watch our team and they, they can certainly boo, but uh, I don't have to like it. You don't, you do not have to like it. Um, the fans don't have to like it either. Right. So there are a few things that we can unpack there. <laughs> the first is I'd like to believe that Mickey doesn't think the reason there were so many lions fans in the stadium and the reason saints fans are selling their tickets is because of the economy. Because if you go on SeatGeek and you look at some of the prices, you're not. You can get get tickets right now for 12 bucks for Sunday. Right. So, like, he's talking as if, like, so, for example, I used to, I had Pelican season tickets for a while, and I I never went to enough games. So, I just, you know, I I stopped getting them. Uh, But, like, there was a point where, you know, I think it was early in the Zion, right? It was after Anthony Davis got traded, and the Lakers were coming to town. And it's like, I was able to, I either go to that, I want to go to that game. It's a game I want to go to, but... I'm able to sell that ticket for a, a price point that is like I can make back 60% of what I spent on the season tickets by selling this one game, right? And especially in the NBA, you're talking about, you know, 41 home games. It's like, okay, yeah, I can I can live with not going to that one, right? Because I would split them and I was like, no, I want this one because I, I do plan on selling it, right? Well, but that's like, that's the case when the tickets are above face. When they're below yeah. face, that's not what you're seeing. Fans are not giving away tickets for $20 when the face was 70 or whatever, because they, oh, it's like, oh, I gotta, you know, I want to make some money back here. It's like, no, they're not going because they, because the product is not good. Yes. And, and it's like, that's why like this week, I, I think there'll, there'll be a big statement if, you know, cause Panthers fans aren't traveling. Like one of the reasons all those tickets got sold is because Lions fans traveled and they were able to get really good seats. Like they were going to buy tickets either way, but typically right. you'd hope that they were up top. Right. <laughs> um, and so, like, what happens when those tickets don't get sold? Do the fans show up? Are you have going to have a surplus of empty seats in this stadium? Something that you don't see very often. You know, that's my question. Um, and that's what happens when a one and eleven and a five and seventeen meet up in the end of the season, right? Like, um, yeah, I got a feeling attendance is going to be pretty ugly on Sunday. So the other question I have is the booing, and you know, Mickey, I think he, he I think everyone's kind of said the same thing, and it's it's not helpful, right? Like. And I, I have kind of a, a take on it that people probably aren't going to like, but I feel I, I do believe it in that. So the, the Saints are not going to make decisions based on anything other than the performance on the field, right? Because it's like, I think the Saints, how they view their operation from the front office perspective is they have to be the adult in the room, right? That's how they operate. They're not going to... And we're going to talk a lot about David Tepper and the Panthers and, and a lot of their decision-making seems driven by the outside noise and the saints are devoted to being on the opposite side of that. And, and the way I kind of see it, and you're going to be mad when I say this, but this is what, so, so Steve, you have a, you have a kid, right? You're, you're, you're a parent. Yeah. Okay. Like your, your kid's old enough now, but if you go back a few years, you know, if you went to the grocery store and your kid says, I want a candy bar and you say no. And then the kid throws a temper tantrum, right? It's like, I want the candy bar. Give me the candy bar. Well, what are you going to do? 
yeah, that's not going to work with me. Sorry. Um, you're going to definitely not get the candy bar yeah. and you're going to make life worse for yourself in the end that dad's not going to cave on that one. Right. Like you're not buying the kid that candy bar because, no. because why? Because the next time anything happens that, that the, now the kid tantrum, knows right. that if he throws a temper tantrum, he's going to get whatever he wants. Right. And so the good, like any, any parent who's, you know, sensible is like, no, I can't, I can't cave every time the kid throws a temper tantrum. Right. But, you know, like and, and and like the Saints Saints fans are that kid right now when when you are booing your quarterback going in and out of the game, that's a temper tantrum. It's not helpful. It's not healthy. I get what you're doing. It's not a good thing. But, you know, so just going back to that, it's like, you know, the situation, you're not going to love your kid any less because he throws a tantrum. You're going to it's like you're going to be talk to him and be like, you know what, we'll figure this out. But you know who that is making an impression on? Every other person in the grocery store who's pretending to ignore it, but at the in, in their head, they're like, well, I'm glad that's not my fucking kid. Sure. Oh, absolutely right. <laughs> you know, like if, if there's a Lions player who hits free agency, it's like a competitive free agent thing. And, and they're just like, oh, where do I want to go play? What's the good atmosphere I can go play? You know, it's like that's where that's. A, and, and, I, and I get it. Like you're trying to make a statement. And to me, it's like. No, you are making a statement more so to everybody else that walks into that stadium. Like, do you think that's going to be helpful when you're trying to, like, then the Saints go to sign a competitive free agent? And they're like, oh, but our fan base is the best in the world. Like, I walked into that building and heard them booing in the second quarter of the game. Like, you can't separate the front office from the players on the field, from Derek Carr to this, to that. You are booing everything. You are booing Alvin Kamara. You are booing whatever player you don't hate. Everyone on that field hears you booing and everyone is affected by it. You cannot separate out. I don't like Derek Carr and I'm mad about it. I don't like Mickey Loomis and I'm, and I'm mad about the decisions he's making. I don't like Dennis Allen and I want him fired. You are booing every single player on that field. And like, to me, I am okay with like this, the social media stuff and the, you can call into the radio show and, 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 and yell and scream and do whatever. To me, I think the, like the players on the field are, are fighting. Right. And that's kind of the point. If they had quit, if they put on a 40 point loss and, and never showed up. And, Cause you see that, right. We've seen that. That's not crazy, but like, that's why when you hear guys like Tyron Matthew, guys like Jameis Winston, right. Guys who aren't technically getting booed right aren't the ones you are targeting but it's still affecting them right and i just think like it's impossible to say we are booing Derek carr and i'm supportive of other players on the team you are booing the team and no, i don't like I, i'm not that. a fan of it i will never endorse it alvin Kamara talked about it this week he's like i've never seen anything like that it was like i understand why you're booing it's like i i don't like it i don't have to like it i'm not going to tell sixty thousand people what to think and I just think that's true. Like, it's like, I don't think that booing one individual player on a team is even possible to do. And I think that's what people thought they were doing. But in reality, you're affecting every single player on that field. And you are affecting the atmosphere around the team and the perception of this team around the NFL. And, and at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to affect Mickey Loomis, the front office, the decision making whatsoever. They're going to make the decisions based on what happens on the field, whether that's something you like or not. It's not going to be because the fans booed. Uh, I, so, I do I say it is, it is a little, I don't want to say eye-opening, but it is shocking to see that from this Saints fan base. And yeah. I know I'm not originally from New Orleans. I didn't grow up with the, you know, the bad news bags on the, the, the heads kind of Saints. I came around my first year covering this team 
2009 Super Bowl Saints. Uh, very fortunate to be around for that. And that Drew Brees, Sean Payton era where, yeah, th- th- this new Saints era is all about winning and they haven't experienced uh, a lot of this hardship. There's been some lean years, but not, I guess, as much as we've seen going into this season, especially now with the questions that head coach that folks are frustrated with the quarterback issues that, uh, you know, everyone's knocking the $150, $150 million man. I, I do agree. It was more of not just targeted at car. It really was the whole team because that 21, nothing hole, it was the emotional, you know, powder keg that sparked everybody right there. Even Cajun Cannon in the press box, he stood up and started booing too. And I'm like, Bobby, sit down. What are you doing? Uh, you know, we, we can't be, you know, taking part in this cheering yeah. or booing kind of thing. But yeah, I, I got it. I, I don't like it either. But man, it, it comes with the territory when you, they've been struggling so much. And then that piss poor performance of digging such a huge hole when so much was on the line. And it is rough. And I, and I understand why it happens. I understand why it happens. Um, and I, and I, and it's like, it had like, it, they booed in new England when we were there, right. They were booing the Patriots. Their, their home fans are booing. I'm like, there you go. Right. And that's what happens when you, when you get beaten the way that you got beaten. I just, I don't like the idea of booing an individual player, you know, and, and to, to Derek's credit, like he heard it, you know, he heard it and he went out and he played well. Right. And so like he, he didn't go go to the bench and sulk, you know. I think he put together a pretty good performance after that happened, and like that's the reason it stopped, right? Like the fans weren't going to stop booing if he continued to play poorly. He played right. better and and it got better, and and that's the answer in the end is play better, win games. <laughs> and it's like it's not just play better; it's play better and win games, right? And you know, if you can do that, then a lot of this stuff goes away. But I don't. I just I think there's a level of toxicity that appears when you. Like it's like these like you could say all you want about Derek Carr. You don't like Derek Carr. He's still going out there and putting his ass on the line and taking hits and getting the shit beat out of him, right? For the fans, you know. <laughs> um, and and I, I I don't know. Like I there's teams in the NFL every year that are a mess, and you kind of just you want to see progress and you want to see it going the right direction. And when it's not, it's very frustrating. But. I do think that there's a le- there's a point at which the just naked aggression toward the players themselves is just unhealthy when it's like the players are going out there and trying to win a game. Like when you're booing, you're not booing just the coaching staff again. You're not booing just the front office and you're you're trying to make a statement and I get it, they hear you. But it's like if you are you an Alvin Kamara fan, right? Like are you a are you a Taysom Hill fan? Are you a Chris Olave fan? Cuz you're booing them too, whether you think you are or not. And so that's well, they cheered when Taysom ran on the field. I know. <laughs> well, and, and it's like, but that's you can't separate that out. You I can't. know, I know. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of my take on it. And I was like, I, I think, I think if the Saints go out and win this week, I think there will be some positivity. But I also think at the same time, people will be like, yeah, it's the Panthers, whatever. Um, I think they probably have to win their next four games for anyone to get really excited about it. You know, if they if they beat the the Giants and and then they can go to LA and win a game in in, L, in LA. One too, man. You know, I think people will get excited and then that week sure. 60, 17 game against the Bucks, I think people will get into it and you know, but it's like it's tough and and the, and the and the players know this. It's like like I'm not here to I'm not here to tell you that the, you know, the rich players should 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 not hear what you have to say about them because they're so you know, they're so delicate and they can't, they can't defend themselves. Like, no, they can't, they can't. I just, when I see a team playing hard, it's frustrating to see them booed. 
And that's what was happening in the second and third quarters of that game. And I don't think that the fans ever came back. Like, like the, I don't think that in the fourth quarter of that game, when they had a chance to go down the field and score a touchdown, I didn't hear that noise. Right. I didn't hear a crowd that was hot, you know? And, and so it's like, well, one of the, you know, what, what is, what is a big part of your home field advantage? You know, like that helps you win games. So when that's not there, the, that's going to be the difference in close games. And it just didn't exist. It, you made life very easy on the lions in that game. And particularly because there was a lot of lions fans there. The fix is winning. Obviously the, the fix is winning, <laughs> right? The fix is winning. And again, I just don't think that it's like, if you think that booing the team and, and selling your tickets to Lions fans is going to make this team be like, you know what? Now we have to fire the coach. If they're going to fire the coach, they're going to fire the coach. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like, I don't know, a little bit like something something could be a brewing if you end up dropping this game to Carolina Sunday. Then then it's like, you know what? All bets are off then for me if there is there, there would be in-season adjustments. Right. And, and again, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what happens on the field. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, it, it is what it is. I am curious to see how the noise is this week. I am curious to see how that develops and the atmosphere in the Superdome's like we we're talking about it because it's a factor. Because it's a, like an, a factor in the game itself, right? Like it's a, it affects the players on the field, even the ones that pretend to don't hear it. You know, like like we there was like Taysom pretended he didn't hear it. Yeah, James you know, I didn't hear pretended anything. he didn't hear it. But then there's others who was like, of course you hear it. Everyone heard it. It's impossible to not hear it. Um, so it's kind of funny. But well, yeah, we'll I mean, obviously, I get it when you're on the field in the game, a play's happening. It's not really something you pay attention to. But yeah, Taysom, when you were running off the field and Derek was coming back, you heard those boos, bro. Yeah, and you knew what they were. But all right, let's wrap up that segment, my my weekly preaching session of you Oh, know, you're gonna get the fans pissed at you now. Yeah, I can boo, boo if I if I please. Boo me. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, go ahead and boo. on the sideline, just boo him. I mean, and again, like go ahead and boo. You have every right to boo. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that. I think it's that I think it's like a cool thing to do because I don't. I don't. I, I just I don't think that that's helpful to anybody on a, on the field. Like you want the team to win. No, no, right. And last, last and, week there was nothing cool about it. It was savage, and I think yeah, it did it did hit a lot of folks hard for sure because it yeah. was obvious. But anyway, we talked we talked that to death, um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about it next week when there's inevitably more booze. It, it'll it'll be interesting to see if Jameis is out there instead of Derek and struggles, right? If the if the booing comes after him, or if it's very much a Derek Carr thing, who knows? We'll see. But all right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap that up. We're gonna come back with Desmond Johnson, host of Believe in Carolina Panthers and owner of Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. Gonna give us the lowdown on another fan base that probably is booing a lot. I wouldn't know because I don't watch Panthers games just like everybody else. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. When you're one on 11, you know, it doesn't really matter when you're one on 11 and you don't, you can't even affect your own draft pick with the result. It doesn't really matter. What's um, wild Jeff second straight year. Now it's going to be two different coaches and two different quarterbacks. Yep. Oh no, never mind. No, we, the quarterback's we Bryce, the same. We faced Bryce week one. My yeah, mistake. The quarterback's the same. Week two. I wonder if they're still running Andy Dalton on this like QB sneak plays. Right, right. <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, super. Well, it was the weirdest thing until I saw the Saints try to run a speed option with Derek Carr. Hey. <laughs> um, but all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. We'll be right back. And 
back on Inside Black and Gold. Getting ready for Week 14, Saints-Panthers, 1-11 and versus 5-7, baby. You can combine the wins and still... <laughs> oh, man, it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. But we have a familiar face slash voice here with us, Desmond Johnson, joining Inside Black and Gold here. He's the co-host of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with Jonathan Stewart. He's also the owner slash operator of Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Com. You know, it feel, we had you on for week two. We talked about this Panthers team and this Saints team, and there was all these pie-in-the-sky ideas of how things might go. Like Frank Reich, you know, jury's still out. Not anymore. The jury <laughs> has rendered a verdict, and it is not a, not a happy one for Frank. He's gone. You know, you're talking about the special teams coach coaching the interim. It's second year in a row. We've gotten to the second Saints matchup, and it's not the same coach that started the year. Uh, so, wow. Jess, how, you feeling? <laughs> how, how are things going out in Panthers land right now? Oh, you know, um, the sun's out. Everything's, you know, <laughs> shiny. Um, it, I feel like we're in, a, we're in like uh, Groundhog's Day because I feel like our games are the same game like every week. And then me and Stu and Skyler will get on on Tuesdays live and we'll talk about it. And we'll pretty much have to say the same thing and, you know, just wait and see on Bryce and all this other stuff. And then we get back to the next Sunday and the same thing happens again. <laughs> and this has been like for really since the last time we saw you guys. So this has been going on for like 10 weeks or so, like where it's literally like the game you watched against us in week two is literally going to be similar to the game you're probably going to see on Sunday, unless you guys do something different. Cause we're not going to do anything different at all. Like our, uh, <laughs> our offense now ran by Thomas Brown, who had it pre well briefly for about three weeks uh, before Frank Wright yanked the the uh, the joystick back to try to save his job and land the plane, and he was unsuccessful. <laughs> so now Thomas Brown has the plane again, and it looks exactly the same. It's the same plane, so doesn't really matter the stuff that we're not doing pre snap movement, committing to something. Are we a run team? Are we a pass team? Like what are we? Like what what are we doing? It's just it's like they're drawing plays in the dirt. And just sending them out there, they're just running plays. And uh, I was talking to Joe Person last night. Actually, uh, he's on my uh, my pod franchise players. The full episode will drop Friday. The segment is out now. You can go to youtube.com uh, forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio and see the segment with me and Joe. It's about 20, 23 minutes where we talk about the article he just put out on the Athletic from him and Diana Rossini. Is he with the Athletic now? I know he. Was yeah, he's been with the, he was with the Charlotte Observer. He was the beat writer right. for the, the Panthers for the longest. Left there to go to the Athletic and picked up right. the beat for okay. the Panthers with them. So he's more of a national Panther writer now. And him and Diana Rossini put this article together that dropped on Wednesday about the Panthers. Uh, a bit of a bombshell. We kind of knew, but it wasn't confirmed. Just kind of a lot of backstabbing going on and the the coaching staff. It, it it almost sounds like there was two different factions going on. Uh, in the building so explains a whole lot because if you watch the panthers offense in particular it looked like they just weren't on the same page like literally like all year and then come to find out they weren't on the same page like the entire year right gone josh mccown the quarterback coach gone Deuce staley the running back coach gone they all had some sort of affiliation with frank wright or they came because of frank wright interim head coach now is chris Tabor, who was oh, a special teams coach and was actually a holdover from the matt rule era that owner David Tepper wanted to keep. Um, so there's a lot of dysfunction going on here because normally you don't see that. When you bring in a new coach, they kind of pick their own guys and go from there. They told Frank they wanted him to branch out and bring in guys that he had not worked with before, which should have been a red flag. He did that. And then the communication-wise, you've got like five different offenses in the same room trying to figure out how to run an offense with a rookie quarterback. And uh, 
Carolina Panthers. <laughs> That's kind of where we are. So, <laughs> so I, I happened upon that article as well. And, you know, my only issue is I'm not sure that anyone who is involved in this story has ever watched the Hunger Games. Because they described it as like, oh, it's like the Hunger Games. And I was like, do you, you know what happens in those books slash movies? They kinda, like, they are you suggesting it. that they are, they, they are having their children fight to the death? Because <laughs> that, that would be something. He kind of put, Joe kind of put it more like, um, yeah, it was, it, it kind of became jockeying for position. Like yeah, once the assistant yeah. coaches realized that Frank's time was like coming up, mm-hmm. they started trying to salvage their own jobs pretty much. This is all going on in the middle of the season and like right. during a planning week for a game. And like, they're just trying to, there's stuff where they were sending text messages beyond Frank Wright to Scott Fitter and David Tepper about how, now this is something I was actually adamant on, on Twitter and got, bl- got blitzed for it. Like two or three weeks ago, I went on Twitter during the middle of a Panther game. And I, was, I just made an observation. I was like, you know what? Bryce really climbed the pocket. Like, you know, when you watch him play, it's always shotgun. He takes a step or two back after he gets it. And then he just kind of throws it from where he is. He doesn't, he doesn't drop back to give himself space, which you would think at this time he would, because he's getting harassed every third play. Like you would think he'd be looking for it at this point, but he doesn't. And then he doesn't climb up in the pocket unless he's being chased. And I, I got called everything in the book by the uh, Panthers Twitter. They're like, well, where is he supposed to go? Like, dummy, like there, there's people in his lap, like every play and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I get that. The offensive line is trash. But there are times where Bryce has a couple of seconds to kind of dissect what's going on and he still misses wherever he's supposed to go or there's somebody running open or whatever it might be. So uh, that got brought up. The the coaches, the Panther coaches on the staff were noticing that he wasn't dropping back far enough. And they decided that instead of going directly to Frank Wright, they passed the message along further up the ladder around Frank Wright until he got to the, the top at David Tepper. David Tepper comes down and in his Tuesday meeting with Frank Wright tells him, hey, you know what? I think uh, Bryce needs to drop back a little bit more like on his on his passes. Like this is all ha- like I'm not making this is literally what's happening. Like, <laughs> like the, the owners tell me, you know, needs to drop back a little bit. And then when it didn't happen, <laughs> two weeks later, Frank Wright's fired. So literally, there's dysfunction <laughs> in Carolina right now. I don't know if it's any better because some of those folks are still here, but all this points to David Tepper and to an extent general manager Scott Fitter. Um, but more and more so as the days go by, we're seeing David Tepper is running the Panthers like a hedge fund. Like he literally, like if he feels like there's a problem here, he tries to get out as soon as he can. He doubles down on things that he really likes. And then when it backfires, he dumps it out. Like he he has ran this franchise like a hedge fund for the past six years. And this is what we have to show for it. Yeah. How much uneasiness is there with the fan base with him, uh, considering how much turnover there and turmoil, tur- turnover and turmoil for the Panthers has been? We, we are, we are marching solidly towards the worst season in Panthers history. Like, easily um yeah and i asked that to joe too because joe picked up the beat in 2010 which was one of the ones that were one of the worst the jimmy clausen year uh the year before we drafted cam newton um but that and 2001 where we went one and 15 we won our first game minnesota and then lost the next 15 chris winky was the uh, quarterback then that was the end of the george seaford era so it was kind of turning the page from the expansion panthers on to the john fox era the Cam Newton, well, the Jimmy Clausen 2010 year, they went two and 14. Uh, the difference there was it was Jimmy Clausen. Like they had a bunch of injuries, but they had talent on the team. Jonathan Stewart was on the team. D'Angelo Williams was on the team. Steve Smith was on the team. 
Jordan Gross was the left tackle. Thomas Davis was on the defense. Like you, you had pieces. So really, that was the team you could parachute a quarterback in and go. And that's what they did with Cam Newton. This year might be the worst because you've got the the best of both of those years combined. And even if they go one and sixteen, they're not getting their first round pick. It's with right. Chicago. So that's right. what makes it even worse that you can't even build off of the sorrow like it's just <laughs> it's literally you're watching this whole is you're watching your house on fire and there's nothing you can do about it you're just watching it burn from the top down and the fire trucks aren't coming no one's coming and you're just standing there watching it and it's a helpless feeling especially for a panther content creator because it's like you gotta yeah. <laughs> you gotta find things right. to what keep it interesting about? you know and this is the first week of december and we're already sitting there trying to figure out well what are we going to do <laughs> the number three and the overall about. pick. <laughs> yeah. Well, who would you pick if you had the number one pick? Like, stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. And Fitter is still here. <laughs> Fitter is still here. Like, that's that. That's where we're at right now. So, yeah, you know, and it's it's like it's kind of like the Saints last year, which is like you know, a tank is. I think a lot of fans would be like, you know, what this sucks, but I understand, like, like, like not necessarily openly tanking, but like you know, creating a situation where you could potentially draft your next franchise quarterback right. is like an acceptable scenario for like the, like the, the Colts, the year uh, Peyton Manning went down, they just dropped all the way to the bottom. Yeah, they got okay. Andrew Luck and they came back up. Right. But like, that's, it, it's, it's ne- it, it can be passively the plan, but when you trade away your future first round pick, you know, that wasn't the plan. It couldn't have possibly been the plan because no. if it was the plan, then you would have just done it without trading away your future first round pick. Like you didn't need to trade your future your future first round pick to be the worst team in the NFL. You could have done that for, for any price. Panthers had practice you at know? that. Like they, oh. yeah, they didn't need to to you know push all the chips in exactly. the middle of the table. And it shows they told us what they wanted. Like Scott Fitter was very adamant that when they because someone asked about you know trading off that first round pick, he was like, well, we're not planning on picking in the top ten for like the next you know however many years. Like right. that's we, we're not expecting to pick. And a, a high pick anyway. So for us, it's like giving away a high second. And I'm like, well, and the funny oh, thing is, you you okay. brought up the Jimmy Clausen <laughs> thing, right? Like everyone yeah. re- thinks of Jimmy Clausen, they're like, oh, the the Golden Gobbler or whatever, like the like the turkey. Jimmy Pickles, Jimmy Pickles, Jimmy Pickles. called him here. Yeah, uh, but like so. we, we could pretend like, wow, that was just a that was just a whatever pick. That was a second round pick. Yeah. He was supposed to be like like people are like, oh, you draft a guy in the second round that should be a starter eventually, maybe not right away, but like it's like they could have done that. Who's the um the ESPN uh, Mel Kiper? Mel yeah. Kiper was so high on uh, Jimmy Clausen. I still oh, remember that to this day. Like he, Jimmy Clausen's arm or whatever, biggest find of all time. And, uh, <laughs> and two and fourteen later, it was like mm. <laughs> maybe not. No. Right, and it's just it's just funny because like that was a similar scenario that you found you find yourself in right now. Except the difference is you took him in the second round, and the next year you were able to go get Cam Newton, and that changed everything. Yep. It, that you could have done that this year. Yep. <laughs> and next year you'd be like, wow, you got Caleb Williams. All right, we reset. <laughs> For like, anyway. uh, for like your fans that are like uh, Marvel fans that understand like time travel and like going back in time and changing things and stuff. If we could go back on the timeline for the Carolina Panthers and like change something that would ripple across the rest of it, yeah. either I would have either let Ron Rivera have another year because literally his last year here, he went through like five quarterbacks or whatever. Cam got hurt. Uh, and yeah. then it was just Kyle Allen and like Heineke and all these dudes that just, yeah, I would give him a year to try to fix the roster. He was a two-time coach of the year. Like he deserved that. And Tepper fired him <laughs> in the middle of the season. Um, the Christian McCaffrey trade is now looking back on it was so unnecessary. Like it was a knee jerk reaction and 
it ha- you got to look at where, where it happened. It happened the week after they fired Matt Rule. Like, yeah. we were in the middle of the season. Steve Wilkes had just became the interim, and you trade off your best player. So the whole league, remember, they're thinking, oh, the Panthers are about to have a fire sale because they traded off Christian McCaffrey. Right. What do they do? Nothing else. <laughs> they just well, traded off McCaffrey. And then they just, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why did you trade off your best player? That was made by a tanking team that then decided we don't have to tank. Yeah, we can win. We can win we like can this. Win. And, and, and then it was like, but if you thought you could win, then why didn't you keep the dude that would have helped you win? <laughs> right. Anyway, so to me, it's like at the end of the day, right? If you feel like you got the right quarterback at number one, you can live with it because you know what? Bryce Young is the future and we're going to build around him. The question I have, and I think the question a lot of people have is, is Bryce Young that guy, right? Like, I think everyone's kind of sold on C.J. Stroud, and I, mm. I thought they should pick C.J. Stroud personally. I said that multiple times, but the Panthers were, you know, oh, give me give me Bryce. We're going to go get Bryce. We're going to pay a premium and go get him. So I guess so the Frank Reich, apparently. That was one of the rumors. Uh, those yeah, right. He didn't want Frank Bryce Young. He wanted C.J. Stroud. Right. And David Tepper and his word salad, he didn't really help with any of this because when he had his weird press conference the day after they fired Frank Wright, where he basically told the reporters, you can speculate on why I did it, and, <laughs> and then answered no questions. He answered yeah. something about bringing concerts to Charlotte, <laughs> and then he left. And like, we're like, you didn't answer anything. Why You just wasted all of our time. Right, but right. He, he said something when they drafted him on draft night that most of Panthers media has kind of skipped over, and I'm starting to bring it back out now because I noticed it when he said it, but I was so – into them being so aggressive because normally we're not aggressive like they were when they traded up for Bryce. I'm like, I'm not, I like this. I'm here for it. But if you remember, it was Scott Fitter and it was uh, Frank Wright. They're at the podium. They just traded up for Bryce. They just picked them. They're talking to the media. And then randomly, like David Tepper shows up from like behind a curtain or something behind the, the, the stage and just starts talking like he's not even on the stage. He's like on the floor and he's like explaining to the reporters how they got uh, Bryce Young. And he said it in there that they were going to take C.J. Stroud at two. Like, they had Houston and Chicago in a three-way deal. They were going to move up with Houston, and they were prepared to take C.J. Stroud. But then Houston dragged their feet, and they decided. And David Tapper, being the hedge fund manager that he is, was like, I'm not used to having to do this. I can just hit a button to do trades and my other things. So let's just talk to Chicago directly, give them what they want, pretty much. And that's kind of what happened. You lose D.J. Moore, your number one wide receiver in it, and a first from last year, and the first for this year, and the second in 2025, you give all that to Chicago to move up for Bryce. And what and were they? Where, where were they originally? Uh, nine. And they moved nine. up eight spots. So they were at nine. nine. Um, and he he said something in his press conference. He said, basically, the reason why they settled on Bryce was that they looked at him as a potential point guard. And they figured that with Bryce being a point guard and a great distributor, that they would be able to spend less money on skill position players like wide receiver and running back and tight end because Bryce would be able to equally distribute the ball to everyone. He said this out loud in a press conference right after they drafted Bryce Young, and we all skipped past it. Like, none of us really honed in on it. And looking at the season now, what he said in April, that is exactly what he did with the Carolina Panthers. Signing DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst, a 33-year-old Adam Thielen, like they went cheap on the skill position players because they thought that Bryce could just Steph Curry this thing up and they would be fine. And he's realizing now you can't build a team that way. And carnage and chaos later, this is what we got. But it made me go back to what he said in April that everybody skipped over. And now I'm looking at this roster. I'm like, you know what? 
He didn't lie to us at all. He did exactly what he said he wanted to do. And the reason behind drafting Bryce. So to answer your question, is Bryce the right quarterback? I don't know. I don't know right. if they know. Like they they haven't put him in a position for us to find out. He hasn't had a game, like even Cam had a game rookie year, really his first game, where he played and you're like, that's why we drafted him number one. Like that stuff, what he's doing right there, he's a unicorn. Like at number one, you should be doing stuff that the other players can't do. Right. I haven't seen that from Bryce this year, to be honest. He's played okay, but he hasn't had a game, a Bryce Young game, like a 300-yard, four-touchdown, put-the-team-on-my-back type game. He hasn't had that. I don't know if he has the ability to do that yet, and a lot of that's the coaching staff in the front office. Right, right. And it's like, it, did you just, is it like, are you calling him a point guard because that's the only position that a short player can play in the NBA? And that's, that's what David Tepper called him. <laughs> so, yeah, right. That's, right. That's, that's what he called him. So I, I don't well, know. It, it's funny, too, because it's like I, I watched Bryce Young play, and then a week later, I watched Jordan Love play. And there's mm. stylistically, they're similar guys. They're, you know, I, I think Jordan Love's a little taller, but like they can move around there, but they're not runners. Yeah. They have a beautiful arm, but like is that all it takes at the nfl level to be able to throw the passes no it's like you got i got more than that and that's why you look at cj stroud and it's like people are excited about cj not because of just the way he throws the ball but the way he he approaches the game and the way he you know he approaches situations and he's like vocal he's 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 more of a leader than i thought he was because i didn't really hear him a lot at ohio state but he's very confident in himself too which i love um and his abilities he's in the right situation houston Everyone forgets the haul they got from Cleveland for trading off Deshaun Watson in the first place. That's why he has Tank Dell. That's why he has some of these pieces around him rookie year. Carolina didn't have that luxury. We gave it all away. <laughs> it was like, take right. all of this. We don't want any of it. So well, that's why, like, Saints fans are like, oh, we, we should do, we should, like, why don't we do what the Texans did? And I'm like, because you don't, like, yeah, the Saints should totally trade their Deshaun Watson, right? What? Yeah. No, yeah. That's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> um, but, you know, and this isn't, you know, this has been all about Bryce Young, but I'm curious, like, there is a lot more going on with this Panthers team. And so, you know, a lot of Saints fans obviously watched that game in week two and we saw the team operate in specific ways. Obviously, they still run the ball a lot. But what, you know, what's different about this team coming into the Superdome now in terms of their offensive, defensive approach? Obviously, they got some key players back on defense uh, compared to what, you know, the, that game in week two. Like, is it is it the same team? Is it the same approach? What, what, are, what should people expect? <sighs> Um, <laughs> defense-wise, <laughs> defense-wise, this is the healthiest they've been probably since week two. So you'll you will see J.C. Horn and guys that you didn't see because J.C. Horn got hurt week one. He hadn't been back on the field since last week. So Horn's back. C.J. Henderson was in uh, concussion protocol for a couple of weeks. I think he played last week. Uh, they're getting healthier. So yeah. on that end the defense might be a problem. And they've basically kept Carolina in games all year. So the defense has been a bright spot. Going back to Joe's article, uh, the defensive side of the coaching staff were all dudes pretty much that worked under Ejiro Ibero before. So they had kind of cohesion already where he brought in his dudes and it shows on the field. The defense looks like they're playing really well. Offensively, they're still a hot mess. Like they're not really – they kind of figured out they could use Thielen or uh, Bryce figured out he could use Thielen as a safety valve about middle way through the year. But I guess either he or the coaching staff didn't anticipate that the other side would look at that too and go, oh, if we just double Thielen, then they have no place else to go. And that's literally what's happened the past two weeks. Adam Thielen's completely disappeared from the offense because the defense just took him out. And then uh, the other wide receivers, DJ Chark, uh, Jonathan Mingo had a pretty good game last week. Um, there, he was a little looser like um, in terms of Bryce. He was under center 
uh, early on in the game with set up play action, which we've been screaming for, but Bryce apparently is not comfortable under center. He didn't really play it at Alabama or Matter Day uh, for that matter. So he's not really used to being under center. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I would expect by this point, this would be week two, that they'll start throwing some wrinkles in uh, off of what they, because it looked like base vanilla last week that they were just trying to re see what can we use in Frank's playbook that would actually work for us. And now I think maybe this week you might see more pre-snap motion. You might see more play action. You might see more RPO, which Bryce ran a lot at Alabama, but they stayed away from here. Um, You might start seeing some of those elements come in. Thomas Brown was a former running back uh, for Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. So he, I would imagine they're going to heavily rely on the run game. Chuba Hubbard's emerged as the number one uh, running back. Miles Sanders, just throw him away. I don't know why they keep trying to use him at this point. Yeah, what that's got to be one of the biggest disappointments considering the signing there. They they spent money on him. Yeah, uh, twenty five million for I think four years or something like that. And then yeah. you try to stick him in an offense that was running downhill like Smash Mouth, the offensive line. And you tried to switch the entire thing on the offensive line, which is why they've looked horrible. So it's uh, square peg round hole pretty much for a lot of the stuff on the offense. If if you guys score eighteen points, you're going to win the game. That's literally what it comes down to. You because we that's a problem for us too. Though <laughs> we can't score more than that. Like we have proven it. Like we cannot get past eighteen. And if we do, it's probably a defensive score or something that happened. Like we just are physically unable to get more than that. Really, more than a touchdown a game, and then some uh, field goals pretty much added on to it. So if you guys get past eighteen before us, breathe easy. It's it's probably a wrap. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sounds like a, a lot of similar frustrations in the division here between the uh, between the division mates. It, it's it's just funny to hear you talk about you know the dismay and obviously the fan base is being you know so distraught. We had the the big thing here this week was this past weekend was you know the fans booing when Derek Carr got back on the field, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, when Taysom, you know, coming yeah. back to replace with the usage with Taysom, oh, and no. it, it's just funny how that became this huge talking point of about fans actually booing the team it's like that's what happens when you suck <laughs> yeah that's literally <laughs> the fans well, ain't here for this <laughs> actually so I, I do so this is what it just i don't know if you follow this but this is what happened so Derek carr would come out Taysom would come in everyone would cheer right and then hey, Taysom would go back out, Derek would come in and everyone would boo and it was like i i reported on from the sideline it was like it's rare that you know exactly who's being booed right usually it'll be like this broad-based boo and you're like well they're unhappy and they're mad at everybody but you can't say like well they're booing that guy specifically in this case it's very obvious and yeah. but i am curious so panthers fans has that like it's kind of like when you expect things to be a lot better than they are and they're not you're upset but when you expect things to be kind of bad and then they're worse how mad do you get so i am curious has there been booing how is the fan base have they kind of revolted you know, obviously, they kind of fired South Carolina as part of their organization. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they do. You did kind of shoot no, them out. No, the <laughs> no I, actually, I've been kind of surprised that the Panther fan base hasn't been as uh, virtual, like, like viral as they have been in the past. Because um, mm-hmm. we've been going through it. This isn't the first time we've had to deal with some nonsense like this with the Panthers, just maybe at this level of mediocrity. But I think they, I think the fan base is smart enough to realize this isn't really Bryce's fault. So because he would be the first one you'd probably think that we get booed. Uh, But they're seeing what's happening. Like they're literally seeing them have like all two seconds to throw a football. Like so many times sitting at home, Bryce has got the snap and he's looking off to the right. And you can literally see the dude coming off the left side (laughs) behind him like this, like coming like 
like at him and you could see yeah. it from your TV and you're so like, no, Bryce, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And like he has no awareness that it's coming and he might step out a couple steps or he might just get killed right there. But Bryce Young is yet to run away from uh, any kind of sack <laughs> like this year. Like if it's coming, you see it happening two seconds before it does before him. And then it actually goes down. So they haven't really booed him. I think they were booing Frank Wright towards the end. And that's probably why Tepper went ahead and did it. Because I feel like Tepper sits in his basement and just watches Panther Twitter and makes his decisions <laughs> off of it. If you look at everything he's done, it's all been off of Twitter. Like, oh man, uh, we we need to cut. We need to trade Christian McCaffrey. He's injury prone. Like, why Five. he's overpaid? Oh, you know, let's get Christian McCaffrey out of here. Oh wait, they're having a fire sale. No, no, I don't want to do that. Like, let's hold on to everybody here. Brian Burns has been. Yeah. Uh, shopped and then not shopped. The Rams have been by twice <laughs> with two first round picks for Brian Burns. And both times we've said, no, David Tepper has yet to pay any player for the Carolina Panthers, any significant amount of money in the six years he's been here, except for Christian McCaffrey, who they signed to the extension after Cam got cut, Luke Keekley retired. Uh, Thomas Davis got cut that whole 2015 team that was still here. Jordan gross retired. They ran them all off pretty much. Ron Rivera got fired. And they kept McCaffrey to be the face of the franchise and gave him all that money. And then two years later, they trade him off for nothing, really. So there's nobody that he's given up a, a bunch of money to. Brian Burns should have already been done with his deal. And he's still sitting here not paid. And now you run the risk of him not wanting to be here. Like, he don't even know. His co- this is going to be a sixth coach in six years. Like, and no winning record. I don't even think Brian Burns is going to want to be here uh, next year. So oh, that's brutal. It's a mess, dude. Like, we are. It's end times here, uh, <laughs> Carolina. Like, it's just so bad. Like the Hunger Games. Around yeah, you're gonna have to games. actually have the kids start. Have to have the kids start <laughs> fighting each other to the death. It's the only way to. That might be more entertaining than what we're watching on Sunday. Like just let the players' kids just battle it out uh, on the field or something. So, man, this is, <laughs> I got five more weeks of this too. This is, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> well, that's it's you know it's funny because like if the Saints lose to the Panthers, right? And I think that's like you know I think the Saints front office and you know we've been talking for a while so we'll let you go eventually but the saints front office has been we'll let them go pretty <laughs> adamant on like we're not giving up on the season we still got everything it's like yeah sure you could win your last five games and get to 10 and seven you, that could happen or you could show up at home in front of a fan base that's like a tinderbox and lose to the one and 11 panthers and then you don't, I don't want to be that team yeah to tell this to people then that's the <laughs> problem now for opposing teams you don't want to be the team that gives the panthers their second win like don't uh-huh. be that team cuz the whole story the next week will be how good is such and such they lost to the panthers the panthers don't even know how to get in their own arena half the time right now like it's just you don't want to be that team i think the saints should have enough like i, I haven't looked at an injury report or anything but just show up. <laughs> you guys just show up. You no, that's, that's, a problem. that's a problem early in games for this team. They don't yeah. show up early on. <laughs> that's, but yeah, I think that's what problem. I'm worried about. Because if they don't show up and they yeah, lose, the early starts, we need like a real ugly. Yeah, we need at least a quarter to get going in New Orleans for some reason. I don't know. So we're gonna get another rock fight. That's what you're telling me. Because that's because <laughs> that's all we know. Uh this season is just rock fights in Charlotte. So uh, it'll be a close game. We'll get to the start of the fourth. The Saints will be up by like seven or three. We'll be like, oh, this is a real tight game. And then Bryce will either throw an interception. There'll be a, a strip sack fumble or a wide receiver. Somebody will put it on the ground. You guys will get the ball. You'll ice the game. 
we'll look at the box score and we'll be like, oh, that was a pretty close game. But in actuality, if you had to sit there and watch the whole three and a half hours, you're going to be like, that. not only was that not a close game, it was a horrible game. Like, it was a horrible game to watch. And I blame the Panthers for all of it. Like, they were responsible for this nonsense. <laughs> so, I'm just getting you prepared. Like, you're going to think back on this around about 4.30 on Sunday and be like, you know what? He kind of explained what was going to happen. This was a really bad game. Like I said, <laughs> the, the whole vibe you're giving us and the feeling, I'm, I'm, it's, it's very familiar. It's very familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, I need to go back and listen to like the week two uh, episode. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, I was so optimistic. Like, we, oh yeah. man, the whole world was in front of us and yeah. <laughs> smashed. Yeah, we, have come, we have come full circle, yeah. All right, so this has been Desmond Johnson. Thanks so much for hanging out. Host of the Believe in Canther. Can- did it again. I said Canthers full time. The, the Believe in Carolina Panthers <laughs> podcast. He co-hosted with former NFL running back Jonathan Stewart. He's also the owner-operator of TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Thanks so much, Des. Appreciate the time, and uh, good luck. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> Say, hey, at least you guys are still kind of in a position to maybe win the division. Uh, I mean, you might only need seven wins to win this division, so – God bless may, it. Yeah, just may the odds <laughs> be in your favor. That's the thing. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's the problem right now. You're you're not good enough, and also you're not shitty enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like in this weird gray area where it's yeah. like we don't know where to put you. Let's <laughs> put you right here. So, good luck, guys. Just, hopefully, everybody gets out of the game healthy. And I just want a good game. Like I don't even want the win at this point. Just I just want to be entertained for three and a half hours so I can forget about the rest of the world. And then I'll worry about that after four thirty on Sunday. I just hope all the kids have a good time out there. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. I hope everyone has fun. Uh, <laughs> but all right, thanks so much. Thanks Thank so much, Des. Uh, let, let us know where, where where can folks follow you on Twitter so they can get all this great insight from. Uh, I'm so glad you called it Twitter because I refuse to call it X. Like yeah. I'm just gonna keep it Twitter Forever. until somebody buys it from Elon and changes it all back <laughs> anyway. Yep. Um, you, you can find me there at uh, Dez underscore three five zero five. You can follow Tobacco Road uh, Sports Radio there at Tobacco Radio. Go find the channel on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Uh, all Carolina-centric stuff from Panthers to Charlotte Hornets, NASCAR, auto racing, all the stuff that, that's covered here. We kind of do it on a more targeted uh, slant, even high school stuff here in the triad. So definitely if you're a sports fanatic and you live in North Carolina and you want something that's a little bit more focused on where you are, come check us out over at uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. Keep pounding. Oh, oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Des Johnson. Check him out, tobaccoworldsportsradio.com and the, or the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast, even though that name is kind of tough when there's no belief left in the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, I don't, I don't, that was a long segment, so we can just, we can just drop it off right here. But I do think that, you know, what the, when you're one and 11, you know, like Saints fans are miserable because they think the team should be better and, you know, they're five and seven things haven't gone well and they had a weak schedule and they haven't taken advantage of it. <laughs> it's a whole different world when you're one and 11, you don't have a first round pick. <laughs> and I think uh, we heard a lot from Des too, about the internal, you know, dysfunction that's been going yeah. on. And I, Saints fans have to see that that is not the case on airline drive over there. There's not that much dysfunction. At least I, I don't think so. Honestly, well, that we're aware of. And, and that's why you see so much, of that turnaround constantly happening there. Every team has some level of dysfunction, right? And 
like that's normal. That's how it works. Like these are all human beings doing a job and trying to get something done. It's a very high stress environment. Things are going to happen. Things are going to break. But there's a point where it's so dysfunctional that you can no longer maintain that in-house. It gets out. And that's where I think the Saints have done a better job in terms of like, you're, you're, you're dealing with stuff. And the only thing that's really gotten out of hand is kind of Mike Thomas's Twitter account. Right. You know, but, but like, that's a, just a good example of like, that's the type of stuff when things are really going badly that you can't like that, that just, it leaks out. You can't, you can't stop it. Right. When people are going behind the head coach's back and doing this and that, it's like, yeah. you know, anyway. it just, it just seems like a whole nightmare situation there from yeah. the, the top from the bottom. And then you look at, Obviously, now their standings with limited draft capital. It's like, who, that's not a, a fantastic situation any new coach is going to be going into. Oh, I agree. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to do one more. We're going to do a quick segment on X Factors, all that good stuff like we always do. We wrap up this Friday edition with some preview of what we're looking for, what we want to see. So stick around on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Who dat? Let's go. Inside black and gold. One more segment here, and we're getting ready for Saints Panthers. Saints five and Panthers eleven. And and you know, it's uh, before we get into the X factors. One thing that's obviously worth talking about is the Saints don't control their own destiny, technically. Right. Right. And and so it doesn't really matter in terms of you just got to win your all your games and and figure out how to get through it, but. It's going to be frustrating if the Saints do find a way to win their final five games uh, or even four out of five and beat the Falcons week week 18 and still miss the playoffs, right? Yeah, that's what happened in 2021. Um, but the, the the Falcons, they host the Bucks this week. They visit the Panthers next week. Um, then they host the Colts in week 16. And that's probably the game that... If you're the Saints, you should hope that that's the game where you look at and be like, man, hopefully the Colts can put together a game because the Colts are a good team. Um, then they host, they, they visit the Bears, a team that, you know, it's funny because the Bears are a team that I would think otherwise maybe would be tanking, but because they're going to have the first overall pick from the Panthers, <laughs> regardless, maybe they do go and they, they, they're trying to see what they have in Justin Fields. So they do the have State, their first round pick, though, still, too. Yeah. Well, right, 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 right. But there's not as much incentive in terms of like, you know, you, you it's not like as mission critical when you know yeah, you're yeah. we got it. We already got number one. Right. Like, and, and it's like tanking for the top pick isn't always the best option considering like the, the, the Texans technically lost themselves the top pick by winning in week 18. And it, you know, they ended up with the better player. Right. So, you know, it's funny because it's like everyone was ready to trash Lovey Smith for that. But it's like, you know didn't really matter. They got the guy. So who knows? But either way, like if the Saints finish with 10 wins, I think they make the postseason. Like I even if they finish with 10 wins and the Falcons also finish with 10 wins and win the division, I think 10 wins would be enough to get you to the wild card. So at the end of the day, I think they probably do still control their own destiny. Like you don't see a lot of 10 win teams missing the playoffs. It just doesn't really happen. 
So like while you're listening to this and saying you really think they're going to win their final five games, no, probably not. But you 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 got winnable games. Like there's no excuse for not winning the next two games. And if you can win the next two games and put yourself in a position where you can go out to LA, then you know you have a chance. But the only way that matters is if you beat the worst team in the league, and then you beat maybe the second worst team in the league, not by record, but by the fact that they like, if you've ever watched the giants play this year, you know that they're bad. So like, if you it, like it, Tommy DeVito. Yeah. And he's going to start over Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is yeah. back and they're sticking with Tommy. Everyone's, everyone's trying to find the next Brock Purdy, right? Like, everyone's <laughs> like well, right. they did it. Well, maybe we can find it too. Like, you know, Bailey Zappi was the, the hot name last year. And now he's like, right. well, he's bad too. Who was the um, guy uh, behind Dak? He was he got a run too for a little Cooper bit. Cooper Rush, yeah, there you go, he right? Good run, but he wasn't good. I mean, he's just he's yeah. like a twenty-eight-year-old career backup, right? So <laughs> you know that's kind of where you're at. But for the Saints, all you can do is win your next two games and see where the chips fall, and then go and win your next three, and then we'll go win, go one and zero each week, right? We you know, definitely the, need one to know this weekend, man. Oof. The funny thing is, I'm not sure technically who I want to root for between the Bucks and the Falcons. That is a toughie. I don't know either. Because either way, you lose the tiebreaker. And it's like everyone's talking about the Falcons. But like, I guess I guess you want the Bucks to win because they're three. Then, the Falcons are three and zero oh in the division. Yeah, well, it's not the division record. You're not going to overtake the Falcons in division record. I don't think it's even possible. Because they would have to lose to the Panthers for that to happen. Um, so I don't. I'm not going to bet on that. Yeah, I was just trying to think of all the tiebreakers and what and things end up coming down to. Yeah, it's too early to go through tiebreakers, in my opinion. But <laughs> like, to, I don't think that there's a scenario where you will end up having a better division record than the Falcons. So, but I do think that you need them to lose anywhere, and if it's, you're better off having it happen early, so that you're not waiting and hoping in week eight to week 17, right? In week 16. So if it happens this week, but then it means that you have must win. Get, like if the Bucks lose, it basically takes them out of the running. Um, I think they would be what four and or five and eight. Right. Four and eight. Yeah. Um, no, five, yeah. Cause both uh, Bucks and saints are five and seven. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it, and then you, but either way you need to win week 17 and week 18. So, like it's it's kind of fine. I guess you would I, I would root for the Bucks just did so in the sense that again, in that scenario where you do win your final five games and so do the Falcons. You're bringing and, Atlanta down to you. Kind yeah. Of thing. Like I, I personally prefer to be in a situation where I can say I win my reigning games and I guarantee a spot in the postseason. Not being able to say that is demoralizing. And it's what we saw in 2021. And you know, it's like because crazy things can happen in winnable games, right? Like the Saints should have beat the Dolphins in week 17 or week 16 that year, but they lost their entire team to COVID. That was the most ridiculous <laughs> thing uh, I've seen in a long time from the league. And of course, it happened to New Orleans. Yeah. Well, I mean, it happened to a lot of teams that year. So it's not like they were alone in that. But but that, that was one of those, you know, I don't want to get off on a huge tangent on that. But it's like th that Saints game should have been moved like other games were. But whatever, yeah. I mean, that that ship has sailed. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not like this is something that comes up often. I'm like, next time there's a global pandemic, I hope they handle it differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully, but hopefully right. the Superdome's got more life than the, uh, this Sunday than those COVID years because obviously it was a warehouse then. Yes, that's true. That's true. 
Well, maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe there's 5,000 fans in there again. <laughs> maybe that's what you get. Um, but all right, let's, let's do X factors and get the heck out of here. So, you know, who, <laughs> you, if you're looking at offense, who would you say, you know, what, who's your guy, who's your X factor in this game on offense? I would love to say Taysom, but we don't know quite, you know, what's going on with him with a foot and, and hand injury. Hopefully he can yeah. play. Uh, but it's it's got to be the main man. The offense uh, for this team is Alvin Kamara. And we see it every see, every year, every uh, week. He's been putting up the numbers, uh, receiving, running. Uh, the guy can do it all. Just please get him the ball in his hands. And I got confidence we'll, we'll get more points, uh, be able to score points with him toting the rock more. So, yeah, I just want to see Alvin's involvement, uh, whether who, who, whoever is that quarterback, Jameis, or, you know, Derek Carr, if he's able to clear the concussion protocol in time, please just just feed Alvin. We we know that he's the most capable dude on this this field, uh, like I said. Unless if Taysom can play, I, I would lo- I'd love to see another heavy dose of Taysom. I love the amount of usage from him last week, whether it was planned or not. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's going to be, you know, honestly, it's like you talk about going from Jameis to or from Derek to Jameis, potentially, I think not having Taysom would be almost as impactful Ugh, as right. that difference of like in terms of how it affects your offense and how much how much it takes out of your offense. Like, it's not even like it's hard to even quantify in terms of like there's just certain there's just a lot of plays you can't run because he's not there. Um, and I, it would probably mean more Jimmy Graham. So maybe that would help people get on board. Would he get fun. maybe two passes thrown to him? Nick? Maybe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hard to think of. <laughs> um, but all right. So for, for me, I, I, you know, I'm one guy who I think over the last few weeks has changed a lot of narratives about, you know, like if you go back a month, month and a half, everyone was on Chris Olave's ass, right? <laughs> everyone was talking about the effort and the inconsistency and, you know, the ball bouncing off his helmet in Indy and a couple of plays where he went out of bounds or whatever. Immaturity showed up off the field, too, with a speeding ticket. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And like the Bucks game when he, you know, he, he said he was kind of, you know, his his emotions got the better of him or whatever and call it loafing. You know, the Jags game where, you know, the whole Derek Carr, you know, blow up. And he ran the wrong route, whatever. Um I think he's really the last couple of weeks. I think he has really kind of locked in and been that guy. That, you know, like he had made some spectacular plays throughout the course of the season. Like he had been putting up numbers, but these last two weeks he has been the guy and he's delivered, you know, um, he got 114 yards in the first half against, against the Falcons. And it's like, you know, this should have been a way bigger game. You should be talking about 200 yard career day, but you know, obviously the concussion, whatever this next game, five catches, 119 yards. This, this, these are games without Rashid Shahid, without Mike Thomas. He's going to be the focal point of the defense. He's still able to get it done. He's still able to get open. He's still able to make big plays. It's been a lot more yak this year. And so if, whether it's Derek or Jameis, they've got to be able to get him the ball. And that was my biggest critique of Jameis when he came in is just like you got to be on the same page with your star wide receiver. Like I get it. They haven't really gotten a lot of work together because Derek, like the backup doesn't get QB one reps, right? But like that's got to be a connection that you can take advantage of because you're not winning if you can't get him involved. He is the biggest piece of your offense and throwing the ball behind him, not giving him the, the chance to make a play, that can't happen, um, especially when he's open. Like if you're throwing it up into traffic and he's not, he can't come down with it, that's like I'm not going to criticize the quarterback for giving a guy a chance. But when he's open, you got to put the ball on him 
especially, you know, at when you're at the 40 yard line with a chance to go in for a touchdown. Like those are the type of situations that's like you can get close, but if you're not taking advantage of them, then, you know, it's funny because I say Chris Olave, but it's more the connection between the quarterback and the wide receiver. If it's Derek, I'm not concerned about it. If it's Jameis, I do wonder, you know, because I just don't think the rapport is as good um, in terms of timing, in terms of where the ball should be. And um, like the James one to throw it up for him, though. Well, the big play that Chris had was a tip ball. <laughs> yes. Like it's like so like, the, there was a if you look in the stat sheet, there was a big play from James to Chris. It was not how you would draw. So to me, that's it. To me, if you can it, like whether it's Derek or Jameis, if you can continue to get Chris Olave involved on big plays, especially if Rashid can't go, um, I think that's going to be a huge factor. No, like that a lot. Obviously, uh, Olave, um, much props to him. I, and I even said it after the game uh, this past week. Uh, kudos to him for coming back from that concussion and being able, you know, to, to be that do- uh, dominant force on the field uh, for this team, for the offense, because they sure need him, obviously. Yeah, and I asked DA about it this week in terms of like, you know, like he, there was he, he said early in the season, like this is a guy who is very talented. We know he's talented. There's no questioning it. Sometimes the professionalism is not there in terms of being a pro every day. Like you can't take days off. This is the National Football League. <laughs> like, and and I think that that's a learning. <laughs> what was happening? I, I think that is kind of a that is kind of a learning thing. Like you have to kind of get to that point as a pro. And I think he's he's gotten there. He's he's done a lot better in that regard. And so I'm uh, I don't know. I'm proud of him. I think that's it's a little easier said than done. What what happened? What what was going on with your camera? I don't. I didn't put the camera on the laptop today. I was trying a different spot, and it was it's been a mess. So now you're like way in the corner. Yeah, I know. It's like I'm trying to lean in here. Yeah. But all right, let's uh let's get this done. Uh, X factors on defense. Go. Grandy man, where are you? It's been too long since Carl Granderson's gotten a sack. Uh, week eight against the Colts for crying out loud. I'm inspired, though, hearing from Dez in our Panthers segment that he expects the Saints to be able to take down Bryce at will. I'm hoping that's the case. We haven't seen this pass rush hit home in a while. Hopefully, maybe a 4-5 sack game could happen for this D against this Panthers squad, and I think that would be awesome because we just haven't had that from – that was one thing at least last season. The the sacks were there. They're just not there this season. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's, a, it's a problem and uh you know yeah it's funny you look we go position by position the panthers really don't have receivers that scare you so i'm not gonna um sit here and tell you that you know paulson adebo or ike adam should swing this matchup but you know i do want to see them win i want to see them win i don't want to see them just kind of you know play and, and not make an impact on the game because the, the panthers are going to have to throw the ball because you're going to take you away the run. Thielen is a problem, even though he's a vet. He's always been a damn problem with the Vikings, too. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I don't think this is the same Adam Thielen that you saw with the with the Vikings. Sure. Um, I think they'll take him away. Um, the, the Panthers don't really have a, a tight end that scares you, right? Like this, thank God. Uh, that's a wild so, story there. Like, like, I'm not worried about Tommy Tremble, right? Like, he's not, not a guy that's going to gonna keep me up late. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you're probably... I think you're probably right, you know, in terms of I don't care where the pressure comes from. I just need pressure, right? Like whether it's linebackers, like I would love to see Zach Bond get used more as a pass rusher. Hey. Wild that they've that that Zach Bond can rush the passer. Who could have who 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 possibly could have seen that coming? Uh in terms of like is something he did in college well. 
uh, and, and for whatever reason in the NFL, they were like, nah, you know, nah. We, yeah, I mean, uh, nah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, but I think that pressure from the linebackers is also a, like, I want to see sacks. I don't care who gets them. I just want to see Bryce Young <laughs> on his back. Um, at least, at least twice. Right. Cheers like to that for sure. I'm just so tired of, of like quarterbacks being able to sit in the pocket and just kind of hop around, hop around, hop around, make a sandwich, you know, uh, it's like, that's just not how this, that's not how it's not good defense. Um, so that's got to change. So, yeah, I mean, whether it's Granderson, I'm not even going to pick a player. I just want, you know, whoever is sacking the quarterback, they're my X factor. Yeah. And then uh, obviously we didn't have to worry about it last game with um, a mobile quarterback. But, you know, Bryce Young, we know, is not going to really tuck it and run, but he has the ability to be mobile. So I don't want to see him ripping off third and nine and getting a first down. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But all right, let's let's end this. Let's get to it. Uh, Saints five and seven hosting the one eleven Panthers barn burner. Uh, only they didn't flex whether, this game. Wow. The only question is whether everyone gets out of the barn in time because <laughs> it's burning. It's burning. Uh, all right. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. Thanks again, Des Johnson, for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll be back at it Sunday. Uh, hopefully, a more appreciative post game pod than what we had to talk about against the Lions. Hopefully the Saints are the ones up 21 to nothing. Um, I think there's a potential for this game to go kind of like week five where the Saints dominate and everyone's still like, man. All right. <laughs> so so we'll def- see. Definitely for the post-game podcast, Jeff, it's going to be BYOB for everybody. Come, everyone come, welcome. If, if definitely pour a drink. We're going to need them. Either way. Agreed. But all right. <laughs> Who that? Go Saints. Be easy, y'all. Who yeah,